Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. We are live with a new edition of the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for, what is this? Wow, October 9th, 2013. We are into the fall. Alongside my compadre and somewhat friendly foe, Ian Ferguson, Howdy. I am Pat Contry. Howdy-do. Ian, how are you doing in video game and hooded land over there? I'm great. I'm comfortable. <laughs> it was great. raining today. I'm in my element. You you like having this the just the downfall of depression falling all over you? Is Gray that, skies, that wet weather, hoodies, <laughs> apple cider, alcohol. So today in the show we'll be talking about a lot of things. We'll be talking about the um, the NAS marathon coming up soon. We'll give an update on that uh, website crap. We'll just go over that real quick. Uh, the marathon we're still looking for donations at NES marathon uh, yeah nesmarathon.com. Uh, we're looking for new sponsors. New sponsors are coming aboard. It's very very exciting. We'll be testing, uh, you'll probably do a dry run next week sometime on that, so that'll be good. Um, I had a fun time in Portland, we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about stuff like uh, the Connect selling, potentially, user data. Uh, the Square Enix Collective Crowdsourcing Initiative that was just announced. ColecoVision on Kickstarter. And an Angry Birds movie. What? Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, as always, your Q&A. Uh, if you have any questions live in the chat, uh, go on Twitter and use hashtag CUPodcast. Absolutely. <laughs> so Portland came and gone, the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. I was a guest there for the third straight year. And thanks again for having me, Portland. Uh, feeding my hoarding habits, as you can see behind me. I did dishes. You did dishes this weekend? Is that what you're exciting? Yeah, I did dishes. <laughs> I vacuumed. You vacuumed? Yep. Tied. Uh, but I picked up about $300 worth of stuff, um, at the, which is less than last year, actually. And I sold some games. I sold some DVDs. Met the fans. It was fun. Um, I hung out with, with people from Retro TV and Pro Jared, who was almost like you know an affiliate. You know how the Avengers have their affiliates, like Spider Man, nuclear bombs. Everyone, <laughs> yeah, like everyone jumped. In. That's Pro Jared, I guess, because he was at the Retro Air booth and he was selling stuff. And Jared, Jared's the best. Um, but I, I was, I did, I did the Retro Game uh, Roadshow panel with Frank Cifaldi. Nice. Finally met him. He knew who I was. I was like, oh, Frank Cifaldi from Lost Souls. Oh, he's a nice guy. He's very nice. And Steve Lynn and uh, Chris Kohler. That was fun. And then um, I was part of uh, the last 10 minutes of Ruse, uh, The Way Games Work panel, uh, which had Joe DeCur there in person, who was one of the architects of the 2600, which is amazing. And I was like out, up there not knowing what to say. And then, of course, I did uh, Pat the NES Punk slash Play the Punk Challenge video. Video. It wasn't a video. It was a panel. And so I showed off uh, a new Ask Frank, which will be out probably by, by Friday. This week, uh, new Ask Frank Volume 8, which, which is going to be fun. I showed off the Pat the Annex Punk uh, Completionist Crossover Castlevania episode where I'm a guest star. Go watch that if you haven't out there. Go sur- watch it, Ian. It's fun. It's fun times. Gerard's a very nice guy. Um, he's, I don't want to say up-and-comer. He's got like 125,000 YouTube subscribers, and he I feel like I'm an old man because he's like, yeah, you're one of the reasons I got into doing videos. And I'm like, that's cool. You are more po- <laughs> you're more popular than I am. You know, it's like, it's one of those weird sort of things where I'm either 
I, I didn't get as successful as I should have been, or I'm just too old. <laughs> I should leave it. But um, so check out that video if you haven't seen it. It's great. And then also, um, yeah, I just bought a lot of crap. You know, uh, if you, I have, I have a, on YouTube on my website right now. I have a uh, like non-boxing videos that are now tradition I do after these events, and I show stuff like the Koala touchpad in the box. And I'm sure you have great comments on why I have that. Because you have to have everything. That's... Not everything, but interesting things. I filmed your collection video. You did. That, that was like an eight-hour ordeal, right? I, I don't think I spoke to you for about I... three months after that. And you're not going to watch it. <laughs> ever. I, ever. I, I did watch it. I watched the director's cut. I held the camera. I don't ever <laughs> need to see it. Um, I do have a question for you. What? Because I didn't know you did it again. What? What? Um... When you do the Play the Punk Challenge, I remember the first time you did it, and I thought it was a you know fun concept, especially for yeah. fans. Uh, but um, I didn't know you did it this time. Do you change up the games, or, or do you, or, um, or do people love the Abobo Death Match so badly that you, that you have to do that one? There's always the favorites. You know, it's like it's like it's like when you do a concert, you, you have your esoteric garbage. <laughs> but, but you, you always have to... <laughs> if you're, if you're coming to see the Rolling Stones, you don't care about their latest re release. You know, you want to see satisfaction, sure. Brown sugar, you know, stuff like that. You don't, you don't. You, maybe some Lucy in the Sky with diamonds, you know. So that's a different band. Is that, is that the Beatles? It's yes. <laughs> an entirely different band. <laughs> okay, then. I was my analogy was working before that. <laughs> but you know what I mean, though. Yes. So there's always there's always something I like to play. Um, I always like doing uh, the Bubble Death Match Challenge. Sure. Is a popular one. Um, I I like to rotate in ice hockey. Um, like the first to three goals because that's fun. Mm-hmm. We did that. Um, we did the TNC Surf Challenge, which is funny because that's you've always the, done that one. Correct? That's the, the one I've always lost at. I, I usually win ninety five percent of the time. That's the one I always lose at. Mm -hmm. So we rotated that one. I don't want to give away if I won this time or not, but it was it was a fun. It was very close. Um, and I always use Tuxedo Cat because Tuxedo Cat rules. Um, so I always do that one. And then like other ones, I rotate in like Micro Machines Race. Or Excite Bike Versus, which I did this time. But yeah, there's always like three I kind of come back to the well. Last year, we actually had him picked randomly from Rue, who I told him not to do Spy versus Spy. And for some reason, he chose it anyway. And it was 10 minutes of nothingness, and we couldn't win, so we stopped it. Um, so sometimes I do a Contra first to lose three lives, you know, stuff like that. So it's, so it's fun. So yeah, well, thanks for the question. You know, that was very nice. I you was curious. You, you almost cared I, about. I almost was, cared about my career there for a second. I almost. Was, I was genuinely interested. You won't watch the video when it comes out, but no. you know. <laughs> so um, what else have we going on? I still haven't. I still haven't had a chance to go through all the submissions for contributors to the Punk Effect because the NES Marathon is taking way too much time, and with events like Portland, it's just hard to get to, unfortunately. But it will happen. So you, 50 plus people out there, submitted. I'm not forgetting about you. I'll get to you at some point, one by one, and then I'll probably die right afterwards. And our project, our secret project, that we had, at least I haven't had time to work on it for like a few weeks. So the marathon's kind of taken precedent over every, I mean, yeah. over everything. Sure. So yeah, the, uh, the website's still going on. Going to relaunch that within a month. The non-boxing video's out. So um, let's go to our topics. This one just came out in the past few days. A couple of these these uh, did about connect potentially potentially selling user data. I guess from what they can gather, viewing you. Um, one of their one of their ad people was was bragging about it to potential or marketing people was bragging about it to potential advertisers. Hey, we can do this with the connect. And I guess once the word that got on the internet, Microsoft backtracked and said, Whoa, whoa, we're not planning on doing about selling any information now, but if we upgrade our user agreement, we always could. So it's one of those things that, um, I'm going to read the article real quick, but it's one of those things that 
people were like, oh, what's the big deal if the Kinect's always on? What's the big deal about DRM? You have to be always connected to the internet. It's all it's about consumer rights and advocacy. That that the fact that they even can do that is scary with it without really you knowing about it. And those user agreements are a mile long anyway, you know. So you're not gonna read it if they update it. I think my my issue or my my the way I look at it is it's <clears throat> Simply confirming what everyone was afraid of, you know, the big brother in the living room thing. Big Xbox brother. Um, the fact that the Connect is no longer mandatory means that at least you have the option to opt out. Sure. You do, but it's still... To me, it's just it's, it's frightening that we've gotten to that point where, you know, we can have devices in the living room that can monitor uh, essentially what, what you're snacking on and then target sure. those ads... You know, you're eating a bag of, you know, brand X gummy bears, and then you know, three days later, that's what they're advertising to you on your, your uh, your menu bar. Um, I thought it was interesting how Microsoft said that they weren't planning on selling it, uh, as if to say, hey, we're not monetizing this data that we can gather from you yet, mm-hmm. so that makes well, it different. But it's still, to a lot of people, I feel like. It's it's gonna be an invasion of privacy. Frankly, if it is, yeah, it is. But um, I, I, I'm just saying, like, you know, that, that that's that's that's. I guess that's my point. Regardless of whether or not you take money for it, uh, and regardless of whether or not the people hook up the the the. Well, most the, people are gonna connect connected not, and not realize it. Right. That's that's the problem. Yes. Ninety percent people are gonna oh, put it up and not even realize this thing even exists. That is very true. I, I mean, honestly, the casual person's not gonna care about it or not know, no. but. What I'm more interested, well, not interested, they're going to have to gauge, like, your reaction. Because one of the things I saw it being used for, not just, like, well, if I see you somehow detect you drinking, uh, you know, a Takate beer, we're going to advertise next week. But seeing if you are paying attention to the ads and reporting back to the advertisers. Basically, the the, the qualitative market research. That's what I saw it, uh, one one person in an article was, was uh, suggesting. And then actually, that's brilliant. But it's also, again, an invasion of privacy to see if you're actually looking at the commercial being shown at the time or actually responding to it. They can go back to the advertiser and mark that up and say, we had this percentage of people that were attentive during it, they were laughing, or whatever else. That Again, that's scary. That's because an invasion of privacy. Because it's... Sorry not to talk over you. I know that's not the, a good way to do the podcast. But yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not even just that they can get you know, very broad data. They can get very precise data as to what you're looking at, what you're listening to, sure. what you get up in the middle of and walk away from. I think what would be fun is if we could coordinate uh, an entire nation to uh, sit in front of their connects in their underwear and swig from bottles of Italian dressing and just totally screw with the sort of data that That'll they collect. You know, I mean, just do something absolutely ridiculous. Or just, you know, just pan- purposely screw with, you know, the, the, the data that they're collecting. Just moon, moon the people. To, right. if, you, if you know, right. if you have a feeling we watch yeah it's just scary though it's one of those things where you you imagine even 10 years ago this would be a possibility that advertisers be able to see you in your living room well yes i mean authors did for ages but i mean now we're actually at that point i mean i think we all knew that it was going to get there we're officially in like minority report land or going further back fahrenheit 451 you know where you live in with walls around you that you can see and interact with interact with you kind of scary i guess yeah, it'll be interesting to see what their official stance so, is. I mean, you can't take anything to heart yet because Microsoft has walked back every policy they've they've announced, everything they've had they've they've had some response to because man, they are just fighting 
loads of, of backlash and they keep trying to walk. So maybe they'll say they won't collect it, but it's just like how, um, you know, the iPhone, they say they're not collecting the fingerprint. You know, I mean, do you sure, ever really, do you but, ever really but know? But the fact that they could, that's yes, the whole point. Right. And that's what I was trying to, um, people were going after me on Twitter because I was like, DRM, not a bad idea for these reasons. This and that. People were like, oh, they're just para. It's the fact that you're giving them the power to do it in the first place. Well, because that's... if it's if you give them the features, like yeah. a, a fingerprint touch or a, a connect, even if they say they're not doing it, that device is in your living room. They, they can they can flip a proverbial switch on or off at any time to, to sure. bring back those features. So do you, do you think Microsoft is going to carry through with it, or do you think that the potential now that people know that it exists, they're not going to even be, af- be afraid to touch it, even though the revenue stream would be huge if they used it? It would be huge, the market research potential there. Market, guess... market, research, market research is one of those few industries that there's never a downturn when there's a recession. Market research actually then increases because companies are even more careful about how they're spending their money. Correct. So that's why they probably saw this feature on there and be like, and maybe it wasn't by design, but then once they realized it, like, wow, this could be something that can make us maybe an extra $200 million, $300 million a year. And we didn't realize it until now. So that's not so easy to abandon as a business, something like that. No, I, I think they will absolutely capitalize on it as, as a thing that a end user has to opt into. And like you said, I bet you a lot of people will opt into it without knowing that they're opting into it. I think that's how it will be. And that's the danger. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. As you as you take your swig. What you want to talk about the collective or the ColecoVision Kickstarter? First? Well, the ColecoVision Kickstarter is interesting. You, you I, well, started off. It, it, it's I like the Click. It, it's interesting to me only as far as I really like the ColecoVision. I think it's got a fun library of games. It's got some really good arcade ports. Um, I'm bringing up the Kickstarter now. What? And uh, I don't know. It's just a system that I, I I feel somewhat fond towards from an era where I don't really I don't. You know, care a whole bunch about Atari or Intellivision, but the ColecoVision I, I find to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Kickstarter is really just for a collection of the games on for for iOSs so, and, and stuff like that. The problem is one. Well, let's back up. What is the Kickstarter for? Um, they 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 officially got the license to the ColecoVision Rant Media. Yes, they licensed it. They're looking to reach uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars to bring back some of the games at least to an iOS app. Which is not that exciting, because the ColecoVision uses a nine, ten-digit keypad extensively for a lot of the games, uh, and that'd nothing, be fun to put on an iPhone. Yeah, and, <laughs> and nothing, nothing has yeah. ever played well. No, no, no joystick-based game has ever played no. well. So I, it's it's interesting that there's in. I like that there's interest in the ColecoVision. I really wish that a collection of ROMs for a smartphone app was not what they were doing with it. If they, if you told me someone was going to do a ColecoVision Kickstarter and they were going to make, say, the Coleco equivalent of uh, an Atari flashback machine, I'd be pretty pumped about that, actually. Sure. I'd be very excited Phys- about that. A physical that. machine. A physical machine like, that like was how, more reliable. Like how they remade the Commodore 64. Yeah. At least. At least. Or they tried to do the... the right, did they ever finish? I don't know if they did, but at least there was plans and prototypes of the MSXs on a chip. Like, oh, really? See, yeah, I didn't know about that. Give me something physical, um, and I'd be very into it. But, yeah, I, I, I'm I, done trying to play games like that on a phone. Well, let's look at what the, what they are got the rights to here. It's on the, on the Kickstarter page here. Um, a huge list of games... They were going to include initial release, including... So I guess including means these are the more popular ones they got. Okay. I mean, why would you... Okay. Antarctic, Antarctic Adventure? I'm not sure I even played that in the ClickVision. Okay. 
Frenzy, that's of yeah, course a popular a one. one. You know, which was a, kind of a follow-up to Berserk. Ah, advertisement. Don't worry, guys. We're just playing in the uh, bush leagues. And that, was, and that was my webcam, like connect, seeing what I like. So I like food. <laughs> um. So so this is the list of, of games that they have. Frenzy, good game. Yeah. Pepper two. Pepper two is good. Bump and jump. Awesome. Jumpman Junior. Nice. Space Fury. That's one of the more popular mm-hmm. division titles. Destructor. Yeah. That was the one with the, I, the pedal and the yeah. Montezuma's Revenge, and Zaxxon, which is one of the better, the best arcade port back then. Yeah. So, and the fullest of titles. Here's some more. Um, Blackjack Poker. No one cares. Brain Strainers. No. Fortune Builder. No. Jumpman. Well, they have Jumpman Junior. Jungle Hunt. Okay. Miss Space Fury. Really, it was a Miss Space Fury. Uh, Super Action Boxing. No one's going to care. Super Action Football. No one's going to care. Super Action Baseball. No one's going to care. And Super Action Soccer. No one's going to care. So it actually sounds worse because when you realize they won't be able to get the license for stuff like Don Kong Jr. from Nintendo, they won't be able to get a lot of the like arcade ports probably because I, they don't own them. I wasn't necessarily holding out for Donkey Kong and Don Kong Jr. What I would have hoped to have seen is Mr. Doe because that's a really good version of it. Um, and this is obviously maybe a wishing, but. Smurfs is kind of an iconic Coleco game. A, that's that a, was the only system it was really on. No, it was it was it was on Atari as well, but, but it just it wasn't as good. It didn't look good. Yeah, or, and, or Pac-Land. Um, and I would have liked to have uh, this this one is just a wish, but um, it had a great version of Star Wars uh, arcade game. It did hard to find. Yeah, uncommon ColecoVision game. <laughs> so they want two hundred fifty grand. I feel like that's a lot for Be, what because they're doing. The, once they get the rights, they just got to get the ROMs. And make an emulator for it. And, I mean, you know what I mean? How hard is it? I'm sure that they'll probably even use an emulator on the internet or license one already. There's ColecoVision emulators out there. So what exactly are they doing besides putting a wrapper around this and making a control, a simple control scheme? What are they going to be doing? I don't know. Look, I'm, I'm feeling money. somewhat restrained today. But yeah, I feel like that's a, that's, that's a lot of money for something that's not going so, to take so, a ton. So it looks money. like the, it's $10 for the app. Get a copy of the ColecoVision app, free for life. Your name listed on the website's backer, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then obviously the perks go up from there on Kickstarter. If you don't know, Kickstarter, Kickstarter has levels of pledges and what you get for that. So my point is, 250 grand seems extreme for something that, unless the rights to all those games cost 250 grand, which I highly doubt. Because out of all those games, which ones are, you know, Bump and Jump, you think, you think like, what was that, Activision? You think they would have charged a lot for that? Or, or, bump and Jump. Or Zaxxon. Zaxxon was Sega. They wouldn't. Uh, yeah, how much I, money could they possibly want for those? Five grand? You know, at most? <laughs> For those games, you know, and again, it's like these are, these aren't new games they're developing. No. These are going to be ROMs, right? Put in a like in a menu wrapper on an emulator for the iOS. And there's, I mean, and there's been there's been emulators on the iOS before before they got banned, you know. Yeah, when you sent me the topic list, I saw that and I got very excited. And then when I read about it, I was like, "This is not." I, I just. Yeah, I can't see 250 grand being raised for an emulation package that doesn't even begin to cover what the ColecoVision was best known for. And obviously, we're not going to get Donkey Kong, but no. we're not even getting the better arcade ports. We're not even getting Ladybug. Ladybug, Ladybug is great on there. Mousetrap. Yeah, I we're just you're missing a lot of solid stuff, and they're not even giving you the oddball stuff that probably wouldn't cost that much, but would entice people like uh, Campaign '84, I think. You know, oh yeah, the, okay. the weird stuff well, like that. Well, their credit to their credit, they're saying they're starting out with that, but honestly, you, you think for two hundred fifty grand, if you got like half the lot ColecoVision library, you know, or something like that, if you got like eighty games, then I could say okay. 80s like the majority of the library, you know, maybe that would be something like, okay, that's worth it for that much. But this is this is like 20 games, and half of them no one's going to care about. Even even 20 better picked games would would be more enticing. Yeah, it, it just seems unfortunate. 
Um, especially since, like you said, uh, a, the joystick on, on a smartphone is terrible. I tried playing, remember, 1943 at, at uh, Comic-Con two years ago when, when Capcom was finally coming out with, like, Street Fighter on it. It's, yeah. just, it's awful. Right. It's absolutely awful. It's miserable. The best... You, the you, best... you need one of those, like, Mamecades or, 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 you know, those, those IK things yeah. for that at least to have a chance to play it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the the best games on a on a on a touchscreen device are ones that rely entirely on the touchscreen for you know control schemes that would only work on there. But good for them for trying. But I I said two hundred fifty grand is uh well that that might be a little rough. They're they're at three thousand three hundred thirty three dollars with twenty nine days left. God bless them. I didn't know you were religious. <laughs> Continuing on. Speaking of Kickstarters, uh, I should mention the one that I'm involved in. Um, kind of not on the side. Um. The Retro Magazine oh, yeah. Kickstarter uh, started on Friday um, with a lot of big writers attached. Um, it's, and it's Mike Kennedy, who's the guy who runs GameGavel.com, which is a gaming, uh, basically a gaming auction site like eBay, which is for gaming. And Jeremy Parrish is going to be involved. Uh, Chris Kohler is going to be involved. Sean Baby is going to be involved. And I met him at in Portland. I didn't get a chance to bring that up. I want a second. And then Mike asked me if I want to do a column. So, um, that's going to try to raise money to be a print magazine and, um, also digital. And if you, if you donate to the print, you'll get the digital free automatically, which would be nice. And it's going to be something like 50, 50 plus pages every two months. Mostly this had minimum, minimum advertisement, which is good. And they'll be covering new games that are retro themed or base and retro games and indie games that are retro themed. So basically run the gamut of retro. So we'll see what happens with it. So they might do something like a Jellico showcase followed by a review of, say, um, DuckTales Remastered. Or exactly. Like you got it. Or then an indie game that's retro themed, which is... That's 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 the thing about retro gaming. Now it's coming full circle because of that. I think that's fantastic. I I mi- I think it's I think retro gaming is the perfect fit for a magazine because I miss print media. I miss getting a magazine and flipping through it and dog-earing the pages and, and and taking it with me and having something to read on the bus or the plane or whatever. And I don't always like reading on a, a screen, especially a smartphone screen, because my eyes are awful. Mm-hmm. But you know, with modern games, it, it it you know the the way that we get our information through the internet and whatnot rendered the magazine useless because you get all that information before you get the magazine. But since it's covering a topic that's already been covered, that already exists, there's no being late to the party. You're just getting something based on what you like. And that's, that's very nice. Especially if they can do nice layouts and the production quality is good, you know, it um, should be fantastic. Yeah. I'm trying to pimp this too much because I'm involved with it. I mean, it's, it's for the magazine, not for me. I'd be a paid writer if it got going. But um, they have a professional layout artist on, on the on the uh, Kickstarter page for it. It's Retro Magazine. I'll put a link on YouTube. This is, this is going to be on YouTube. And there's a professional layout. There's like a 20-page like preview of it with some articles written. And it looks nice. I think it's going to be, if it gets going, it's not going to be something uh, you know cheesy. It's going to be something worthwhile. So that's all I'll say about that. But speaking of Sean Baby, Sean Baby, I finally met Sean Baby. <laughs> if you guys don't know who Sean Baby is, he's basically the first guy to ever do like funny comedic uh online video game reviews but written back in like 96 97 and he was one of the first quote-unquote like internet celebrities or personalities and you know he's a little bit older he's probably like you know 36 by now 37 um up there uh, but yeah he was one of the reasons i started doing um game reviews because his sense of humor is outstanding he's an outstanding uh, outstanding comedic writer and he never goes in any of these events though he's not at magfest he's not at pax uh, he might go to E3 or used to for uh, used to write for EGM because he's not he's not a video guy. He's been in some uh, he's been on some TV shows in video form, but he doesn't create videos. So 
Um, he's a writer, so he's less known. Like a lot of the people out there don't know who he is. He didn't have a panel in Portland, unfortunately, because people were like, who the hell is this guy? But he was like one of the pioneers of like, you know, sort of internet, like I said, internet celebrity. Uh, but he's the nicest guy in the world, down to earth. One of those guys that said, hey, you know, we should hang out later and have a drink. And then actually, when you showed up, you think like, oh, oh he's just busy with his friends. And he actually, you think he's gone. He swung back around and sat by with us with his friends for like a half hour and talked and, you know, shot the shit. Like one of those sort of guys. It's really says what he means, means what he says sort of things. Well, it's like I said to you and we talked about it before. I mean, it's a guy that I grew up reading. I grew up, I mean, I was in late high school and I read him, but I mean, he's hilarious. I mean, I left, left till I cried. You know, my dad asked me what's going on, you know, and I'm reading yeah. it in the, you know, in, in the office. Um, but I think he, uh, he was extremely well known for a while. And there is a whole new generation of people who know who say you are, but they don't know who Sean baby is. And that blows my mind, but it is, there was a, there's a pretty big time gap there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, because of when he got big and how he got big and when he did it through written articles and not through videos, he does he ne- he didn't have that exposure that you and I maybe think he did. So which okay. which keeps him more grounded. I think he still has it to some degree, but that from the it's a whole different universe. The fans of the video YouTube con- content versus the written. Sure, that's so, uh, yeah. so he, he writes for Crack.com, So I think he's brought that over, but it's a whole different. Like you'll never see like the fans of Crack.com go to other like video game websites they, it's totally different and unfortunately he never did it he never had that crossover in the mid 2000s when youtube came he would have been huge he would have been the biggest thing and but anyway so i met him nicest guy he was showing off a game called calculords which is um like a um card card strategy game where you have to like input like for to get cards to play cards to push your characters forward like in like a war assault. I looked at it for, for a minute and a half. It seemed like there was a lot of thought put into it. People were saying it was actually almost too complex. But um, it's it's out. I think it's like 99 cents. And he, he's been developing for like four years. So that's what he's doing now. And, he's other, and he has other projects going on too. What's it on? Uh, it's, uh, iOS, Droid. I'll have to check it out. Nine cent apps, calculords out there. So that's a, that's my Sean baby plug for everyone. So it's, you know, I don't say he's my hero, but you know, when, when you're a young guy, I have his T-shirt that's 15, 20, you know, 20 years old that I wore my first review, my fifth anniversary review. I wore my Aquaman sucks, and this is a guy that he's the guy that said Aquaman sucks before anyone else. He's the guy that was making fun of and writing about the hostess fruit pie 70s comic ass before anyone even knew about him. You know, he's a guy that was you know. You know what I mean? He, like, he was on the cutting edge of all the stuff that now we take for granted about on, on the internet. Well, and I mean, to, not to get too sidetracked, but I mean, his, 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 his partners in crime, especially when he did, you know, his grade E3 write-ups were, uh, uh, Chet and Eric from Old Man Murray. I mean, mm-hmm. who were hugely well-known. They were the Sean baby of the PC game world. And they went on to become, uh, writers for Portal, Portal 2, uh, okay. Left for Dead. They worked for Valve. They're high up at Valve. So, um, there's, I don't know how do I say, it, good stock there. Like, I mean, there, there was, there, that was a very interesting group of people. Um, and they all continue to write. You know, just the guys from Old Man Mirror now write for games, and he continues to write for websites. Yeah, but right on that cusp before, it was still like we're talking ninety seven, ninety eight. Computers still were not in every household until no. the early two thousands, like two thousand three. We'll just say two thousand four. Um, and so again, and that was prior to YouTube. So that was before videos. Videos went viral off of like QuickTime embeds and real play. You know what I mean? They were passed around literally viral through sure. email, not just through Twitter or through yeah. YouTube. So again, it was one of those things that if Sean Baby, maybe if he came up, you know, six, seven years later, maybe he would have went to video. I don't know. I'm just saying the whole point is that really cool guy. 
awesome to finally meet him. He might be involved with the NES Marathon in some way. You know, it'd be cool getting Howard Phillips one year, Sean maybe the next. That would blow my mind. So, onward. Moving on. Square Enix. Another, uh, this was announced like today, I think. Uh, speaking of crowdsourcing, again. So, Square Enix is going to launch a crowdfunding initiative that they're going to be involved in called The Collective. It's extremely interesting. And I can see other companies maybe may following suit. So what they're going to do is have uh, people basically pitch ideas to them for games and put it on an open forum and have people, after they review the idea, see if it's viable, have people vote on if they'd want to actually see it. And at that point, I guess Square Enix will get involved and back the idea through their own you know, their own Kickstarter, Indiegogo. Actually, it's Indiegogo. It's Indiegogo. So it's, it's like, it's almost like marrying from what, you know, crowdsourcing to now this is like crowd and company sourcing together in a way. It's almost like the company is listening to the fans, going to take certain ideas and run with them and see how they do with an Indiegogo. And it's and that's still minimum uh, risk to them uh, because they have an idea that uh, people are going to be vested in through, um, through their pitching of it and then, uh, in the public, seeing whether it's going to be viable, and then getting funded partially at least through the public eye. It's actually a great idea. I, I like it mostly. It, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's vetting. They're they're, they're vetting out yeah. these ideas, and um, I think if you're depending on what you're doing, depending on the the particulars and fine print, if you're a developer, it's not bad, especially if you're fresh, because you can go to the to now the worthwhileness of Square Enix's name at this point is debatable, but. You pitch an idea to a company, and if this company likes it, if the if the community likes it, you can go into your Indiegogo uh, fundraising drive with way more confidence than you would. Yes. You'll have you'll have actual feedback. You're not just putting it up. You're not just getting your friends and your family in your ears telling you that this is a good idea. You sure. are actually having industry veterans behind yeah. you being like, yes, no, and maybe, and that is a good thing. Um, to me is a little outside of what crowdsourcing was is supposed to be but I don't I don't see that as a bad thing I think it's a good use of it sure this is also a cool part of it the publisher according to this article won't be turning away projects without explanation though actually developers will get a full explanation for any pitches that don't make it through uh, through due diligence and provide suggestions for what it might be to complete the game that's really cool at least you're going to have like a real video game company say, hey, this, this, is, this is why we don't think it'll work, or this is what you need to do to improve it. That's fantastic. That's so rare there, for something like that to happen. There was, um, there was, there was a, 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 a similar thing for, for Highwood Scripts, uh, Kevin Spaces, I can't remember the name of it, where you, you, um, something with Street in the name, I think it was, and you would, you would pitch ideas and through, but other people would tell you if it was good or bad, but it wasn't the actual company. This would be like if I went to Universal you know, or Sony, you know, Columbia, and be like, hey, here's my here's my script. Well, we don't like it, but this is why. That would never happen. They give you a rubric back with notes. Yeah, yeah right? Like, that would be nice. Um, the other interesting thing about this initiative, if I remember reading the article correctly, is uh, they're actually not opposed to you potentially uh, pitching ideas that use their, their IP. IP. Yep. So if someone like me really wanted to make a Threads of Fate sequel and I could pitch a really good idea for it, uh, maybe I could get that to happen. You know, I mean, so that that's kind of cool. If if you go through them, you know, you can use uh, potentially use uh, their assets. So, um, do you think you think though that what sort of cut you think they would have? This isn't going to be free. Do you think if they run the 
say they get behind it. Say you give them an idea and you're not, we're not developers. Say you give them a great idea and they get behind it. Obviously, they're going to take a cut, especially if they, if they produce it. I guess that's what what their side of it's going to be. Well, that's what I said earlier when I said it really depends on the particulars of it. I like the way it sounds, but it almost does sound too good to be true. It depends well, on... Yeah, it's not going to be free. Well, I know it's not going to be free, but obviously not. I really would be interested in knowing what kind of rights they will hold on your game if it does not use their property. What uh, What's the cut they're going to take? Um, a lot of times these things that sound really great when you read the fine print end up being things that developers want to stay far, far away from because if they don't get to retain control over what they make, then, you know... They could make the game, make money off of it. Square could boot them, and Square could take the property that they've made and continue it on without the original. So, I mean, we don't know because we haven't read that far, but I'm just saying the idea that in a perfect world sounds very interesting. Again, you described the Hollywood system with screenwriting. You can sell a script, and your script could only retain the main character's name and the title. It'd be totally different, but you're paid for. Sorry, that's what you get. That's That's the nature of it. You know, that could happen. And again, that's your choice, though. That is totally your choice. Right, it is. It is. I just... I, and this, there's a couple of recurring themes this 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 podcast. One is crowdsourcing. The other is read the freaking fine print on things. Like, yeah. make sure you know what you're getting into before you click that yes button. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, we could even pitch an idea. You don't have to be a developer. You just have to have an idea. And see if it gets vetted and see if the crowd likes it. And then... Who knows? And then the one good thing about it is that if, if it's Square Enix getting involved, it's not going to be one of these. You hear these horror stories from these games that never get made. The money disappears, and they, you know what I mean. That wouldn't happen with Square Phoenix, uh, Square excuse me, Square Enix backing it. If they're going to get behind and develop the game. They're not going to. They're not going to take a hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars, and not make the game if they're the one running it. That'd be awful. Uh, PR. Are you looking at me like oh, I'm strange? You think they would actually do that? No, I'm not saying that, that they actually the whole, would. The whole system would collapse. That can't happen one time. People wouldn't trust the system. I'm just if they're, saying, if they're investing their time and money, and they're going to make the game. Crowdfunding you know. is shaky. I'm saying anything can happen. I don't think they would, but I'm saying that you can't rule that out. You can't rule it out. But I, it, I know. I'm saying. I, well, I, I guess maybe we're talking about two different things. You can't rule out failure. You can't rule out the game failing, just like any other game in no, development but would, if, would fail. But if they're running the, the the Indiegogo campaign and getting the money up front, they don't have a risk. It's only going to be. You know, they basically going to get. They're basically probably going to get the money to make their game, and then after that, it's going to be profit. So what the hell? Sure. They're basically looking at people doing like the you know mighty number number nine. Be like, why can't we do that? But we're going to go one step further and get people's ideas they want to see. You know. All right. I don't know. I think there's a lot of good potential here. Over the course of talking about it, yes, I agree. I agree there's a lot of good potential. But the more we talk about it, the more I just think of things that have happened in the past that are similar, where you pitch game ideas and people will be like, yes, we will help you get it out there. And when you read the fine print, it's just awful for everyone. And Well, it's awful for the people who are making it. Well, but again, it could be one of those things that either never see it made at all or maybe... But again, it's going to be vetted through the process. They're going to say, True. we like this idea. So if, again, if they change it too much... I'm, I'm I'm thinking when they when they when they do this platform they put it online they're going to have like basic design template of what it's going to be in the features and people and then people are going to vote on whether that's a good idea or not. So if that actually changed dramatically from that until the finish, obviously everyone's going to know and they're going to be pissed because the game that they vetted is going to be totally different. So again, that's too much of a risk. The whole platform of the collector depends upon it being transparent. And then following through on what the people want. Yeah, I mean, so. we're thinking a little bit further. I mean, we, I mean, really, we're just reacting to the announcement, and I think it could be very cool. It just we'll have to wait and see what what more comes out of it. There you have it, the collective. 
not the Borg, but we'll see if it ends up like that. And they're going to reveal more. Uh, the GDC is coming up, um, I think, and uh, uh, next month they're going to re- reveal more about how it's going to work there. Right. So we'll see. All right, and then the last topic, short topic we have. Uh, and this is just kind of one of those weird things. We don't talk about movies enough because, honestly, I don't have time for the movies. I'm going to see, you know, The Hobbit, Desolation of Smogs coming out, voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch of Sherlock Holmes fame. Sherlock fame. But um, how about the how about the announcement of an Angry Birds movie? Oh, Jesus Christ, is this is this an awful idea or just a really awful idea? It's a it's a really awful. Well, and why? I, I mean, what perspective do you want to look at it from? It's probably a great idea to the companies who want to make money. Is it possibly? Do you pay attention to what children are wearing when you walk around? Because. In my mind, it's 95% of them are wearing Angry Birds t-shirts or have Angry Birds backpacks or are eating Angry Birds candy. The thing is, and I, without even touching on the movie, it's I played Angry Birds. I thought it was an amusing concept until I realized that it gets me stuck in this horrible, painful, obsessive-compulsive loop where every time I fire off a shot that's bad, I just restart the level. So I stopped playing, and I think a lot of people don't play the game for that reason. Some people really get into it, and it is a cute idea. But how the hell do you market something that is literally just a slingshot game so fully as they have with t-shirts in lunchboxes in Star Wars versions that apparently have story modes? It it, it blows my mind. There's cartoons in the work. I I think they've already been done. Um, Breakfast cereals have probably already been done. This is is the problem. And this is the problem you have with any video game movie development. Where does the story come from? Yeah. Like, where do you get the story from when you're making this? You know, it's easy to make a story off of something like, you know, I don't know, Assassin's Creed, where there could be a story built in already. This doesn't have... This is a little slingshot game. Yeah, that's It's a slingshot game, basically. Right. So, I mean, how do you come up with a story that's going to please everyone? Here's the other issue. It doesn't come out until 2016. This, if, if this is not a passing fed, no one's going to give a shit even two years from now, let alone three. So when it comes out, it might be like Bratz the movie. You know, it might be something yeah. where it'll just bomb horribly. So this is a big risk. This isn't like something like Super Mario Brothers that's out for like 25, 30 years. And then, but by, by the way, a CG animated Super Mario Brothers movie, why not do that? That would, that would be huge. Or Legend of Zelda. But anyway, but this is... A, no, uh, don't. This is a bigger risk, though. This is, to me, is a bigger risk. It is. I, I, I yeah, I just, I don't like, I don't like the idea because I don't like, I, I, I just, I find it silly. Um, Do like Chicken Run, maybe. <laughs> That's the only thing that they make pigs, like Chicken Run. Pigs, bad, birds, angry. Pigs in birds' house? So birds destroy their own house. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I can't piece together the narrative when I play an Angry Birds game. And, and as much as you say, Zelda and and Mario, I don't think those are necessarily great for it either because those are stories you make in your head. There's not a lot of dialogue to those. It's why they. Could, I mean, it's one of. But well, the there would reasons. be more dialogue versus Angry Birds. Sure, but I'm just saying. Point. I'm just saying that, that that that's still not going to be good. So you, I mean, one of the many reasons that the Mario Super Mario Brothers movie failed was. They just didn't know what to do in no. terms of a story. They, they, no they, just, they had no clue. How do you write a story they should, about They that? should have made an animated. So, so now you're taking something like, like Angry Birds, which has even less of an implied story. Mm-hmm. And you're... I mean, it's... I guarantee you the trailer is going to have uh, 80s hip-hop, a vinyl scratch, and some fart jokes. You know, I mean, that, that's... <laughs> bird, that's fa- bird farting or bird, bird driving. I mean, that's, that's the joke with, you know, all trailers made for kids' movies these days. And that's what it's going to be. And it's going to be miserable. In a world where birds hate Our- pigs. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. 
And then they blow up. And then they blow up. They kill themselves in the pro. I, whatever. Yeah, really? I, I don't want to think about this. This is, this is sounding worse and worse. I don't want to. This is one of it's... those things that never gets off the ground. They can just say it's in development and never gets off the ground. Why are you showing me your eyeballs like that? It's scary. Oh, when, uh, when <laughs> I get stressed, I peel away at my face. <laughs> when I get angry, healthy. it's not healthy. You're getting angry like the birds. Didn't say it was healthy. <laughs> so, it's one of those things where. Like, like Mortal Kombat, I thought was a, for what it was, Mortal Kombat was a good movie. I had a tough time going back to it, but yeah, the first one was pretty good because that actually had a story bef- to it. Fighting tournament, uh, blood sport proved a long time ago. I mean, you <laughs> yes. don't need much. I mean, if there's a fighting tournament involved, you can figure out everything else as you go yeah, along. You it's just fun. have fun martial arts, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's it's funny because Street Fighter, I I you know I like I like Jean Claude Van Damme, I like Raul Julia. Um, Street Fighter actually got over complex with their plot. Oh yeah, that was bad. That's why Mortal Kombat actually succeeded at being a decent video game movie because it was like, we're just gonna get all these people on an island and they're gonna kick the shit out of each other for an hour and a half. We're gonna play some of the time techno top tunes and <laughs> Te- <off> techno top <laughs> tunes, and that's that's the tune. Was that an album? The Techno Top Tunes of 93, 94? There was Utah Saints were on that. Orbital was on that. KMFDM was on that soundtrack. I remember did it, doing a remix of, in college of the, of the Mortal Kombat theme. I think everyone did a remix oh, of the Mortal Kombat theme. I, remember, I had a radio show in college. I think I used to do funny funny things of that. But yeah, I don't know. It's one of those... They've, they've, they've talked about doing a Halo movie for years now, so who knows if that'll I think they've basically said that's not going to happen. Just like the Zelda one is always... They're like, no. Um, the Zelda one had an interesting... It was leaked. It was like a, a test test footage. No, it was like an April t- Fool's joke. It was an April Fool's joke? The, if you, no, no, like, animated, not the live action. Oh, uh, I was going to say the live action no, was an April there was, Fool's There was joke. leaked footage of... I think it was from a couple years ago of a, like a CG one. Like It was professionally done. It looked cool, but again, it's like, can you think of a story? You know, of, of a character that never talks. One of the things I love about Nintendo's games is that they leave so much of it up to the imagination. But um, perhaps luckily for all of us, that makes it really, really hard to adapt it into anything but a game. Sure. That was four quick quick topics. Yeah. I'm having a day. You're, you're, having, have... a, you're having a bad day. We, we did a little filming before for something. I won't say what it was. And we got through that. Well, that we, was fun. That made you laugh. Yeah, you did make me laugh. That was that Aww. was that was that was, that was humorous. I want to hug you. You, no. ma- you make me laugh by being weird and gross. But um, well, why else am I here? <laughs> uh, what do we got for uh, what do we have for? We're, we're gonna go. To, we're gonna go to CU podcast questions. Even people in the chat, if you're on there, real quick, uh, Twitter hashtag CU podcast, and you can get on in on on the fun. So let's see where we're gonna start here on good old Twitter. And by the way, everyone out there. The completely unnecessary podcast is now available on Stitcher for your Droid devices. They actually were cool enough to tweet it out a couple days ago. We got approved finally. So we're on iOS. We're on Stitcher. I think we're on something called Podbean or something else. That So basically, once the RSS feed people know about it, I guess, through iTunes, it gets picked up everywhere. So, yeah, we're going to get big enough to get an advertiser maybe one day. <laughs> That'd be fun. Stitcher's a fun little Takate gear too. What's that? Stitch- oh, Stitcher. Stitcher's a fun little app. I've, I've used it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's a droid version of you know iTunes. Or you for, can use it podcasts. on iOS, too. Oh, you can. Yeah. There you go. So let's let's go here. Let's start with the CU podcast. Question and answer. I should do... Saborcon character. I, I, I should do a little production for this. Like, the, 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 the question and answer with Pat and Ian. Like I said, I can make up some, some ditties. I, I, I did electronic music in college, too. I, I know a little bit but, about production. But did you do ditties? 
What do you think the Flea Market Madness theme is? And they asked Frankie, those are ditties. <laughs> I'm a great jingle writer, you have to admit. I don't have to admit anything. <laughs> Alright, let's start. Uh, question from Adam Principe. How do I listen to your CU podcast on your website? Well, you go to the post that has the website, you know, has, has the podcast on it. That'll be up tomorrow. Or you go to iTunes. Thepunkeffect.com. Thepunkeffect.com. There you go. And yeah, it's right there. Or any of the places that we previously mentioned now have it. It's getting easier with each week. M. Geiger 2341 asks us, have you joined the force, Nintendo force? Ian, have you? Uh... I believe that's the new magazine, and no, I haven't, because it, I like Nintendo quite a bit. The 3DS is my favorite current system, but uh, I just, I don't, I don't want to subscribe to a magazine that is focused solely on one company, because my interest in games is spread a bit too far. I just don't really have the money. Who's publishing this magazine? I had no idea. I don't remember. I believe there was a Kickstarter for it as well. Oh, and there was? It, and it, I believe. And it's supposed to be very, very, very nice. I just, like I said, I don't have the money for system-specific magazines. Yeah, within a year or two, it'll just be yeah, just the 3DS magazine well, that we use. Yeah, at which point I might get it. But if half of it's devoted to a system I don't have yet and might not have, I is yeah, it is it can't. in stores or just digital? Is that five issues? Well, I have no idea. I believe it's print. It's digital, four ninety nine. print plus digital, nineteen ninety nine. 1999 did I see that right wow that's a lot for a magazine it it is that is but to the Nintendo faithful I'm sure it's very cool I was thinking like eight nine bucks for a magazine might be reasonable but anyway in the uh, modern in the modern era I could see 10 but 20 that's that's tough to swallow if they don't have any advertisers at all I can see that sure but even still that's hefty it's like it's six times a year 120 dollars I, I bet you 99 percent people do digital anyway yeah yeah sure I thought I was joking at first with that. With that, I was like, Nintendo Force? I was like, really? Nintendo no, Force? No, it's a magazine. Good thing you have me. Right. Power Force? That's kind of a... Eh, the name could be a better name, but whatever. I'm not going to get on criticizing since I'm now involved with a magazine, supposedly. So, um, next question. In ter- this is from at 7-Minute Psycho. In terms of collecting, how do you manage security, e.g. from burglary? Burg- burglary uh, does insurance cover video games? How do you manage security? Well, you hope people don't break in and get your stuff or get yourself a gun and shoot them. I don't know. Uh, but in terms of insurance, insurance, if you have homeowner's insurance, it covers it. anything in your house from theft or damage up to a certain value. It could be 25000 50000 or more. It depends on how much coverage you want. Um, it's nothing special. It covers everything. It covers your dishwasher, your clothes from getting stolen, anything. Cadbury so cream eggs. Cadbury cream eggs, which I still have like 12 left from Easter last year. Um, but in terms of games, it's the same thing. Now, there is something called collectible insurance that's out there at, at Comic Con. There was even a guy selling insurance for stuff to cover stuff, especially like video games and comics, video games. The difference between that is that since they specialize in that, they know more or less, I guess, they know what is actually viable for your claims. They know what's out there. Um, the good news with me, though, separate from that, and I've thought about doing that extra. I mean, I have homeowner's insurance, so a, a chunk would be covered if something bad happened. Um, well, good thing I have this mostly documented in, in the video you helped out with as evidence and my other videos so people would know that hey I have a shitload of games you know and right. it's, it's very well documented also that I have both NWC cards even though those are those are not kept on the premises hear that burglars they're not here so don't come here um, so yeah so so homeowners insurance you can always get extra insurance out there to search online 
We keep those or, in my oven. Actually. In your oven? Yeah. And I use I use um I use old fashioned methods. I use uh, circles of salt and hexes, and that keeps most people away from my shit. Circles of, circles of salt. Okay, we're going way back to the pagan <laughs> rituals then. Um. In terms of collecting hand, okay. This is from Jace Nakarado, and I think he was getting on me for not pronouncing his name right the last two weeks. I think I it's uh, Nakarado. Sure. I mean, he, he he hyphens it out. I saw the question. Okay. But you, you said it correctly. I didn't. Sorry. One Sorry, of us Jace. will. He'll let us know. Yo, Pat and Ian, what's your best game pickup story in the wild? Store, flea market, question mark. P.S. Pl- Pat, play more handhelds. Thanks, guys. You should. What's your best game pickup story in the wild? You first. You've had a few good ones. Yeah, I've had a couple of good ones, and um, I'll do I'll do three. Uh, the two best were well, if you want to talk about single game pickups, were um, I've found both the Keltron six and one uh, complete in the box in the wild. For, I believe that was twelve, which I bought from you. You still haven't found that box for me. Yeah, or 12, manual. Twelve bucks. Find that, them. That got me to see Daft Punk. Find them. Sold it to you. Yes. Um, and then uh, I got a box complete uh, action fifty two with the comic for about fifteen. Now this was this was ninety nine two thousand at the latest, uh, maybe two thousand and one. So this was quite a long time ago. But even then, those were, I mean, in that condition, those are probably fifty seventy five hundred dollar complete. I would say, you know, they should have been seventy five hundred. What did you say? Fifty to seventy-five to a hundred. Uh, at the time, ninety-nine. Uh, uh, and actually, the two would have been fifty. I think fifty dollars at most. I think fifty. The the Caltron would have been more. Maybe I, I, I was I wasn't tracking prices for everything in ninety-nine. You know, I, 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 I know I know the Action Fifty Two would definitely have been about fifty. I, I mean, I got mine for fifty plus complete in two thousand and eight. It was still that cheap. Yeah, but that was a deal. It was probably like eighty ninety. That was the one that kind of slid under the radar until probably James Rolfe reviewed it, probably, sure. for the most part. But th- those were cool to find in the wild. I think my big, my, my favorite in the wild purchase, and I'll try to keep it quick, it wasn't really a, a, a game so much as it was a store. There was a place in the basement of the Eaton Center in Toronto, which is a huge shopping the, the, mall in The Toronto. Eaton Center? Yeah. I think it's a giant place, just a, like a restaurant. No. The, the Eaton Center. <laughs> the Eaton. Eaton apostrophe. No, it was a, it's a giant mall in Toronto, and in the basement there was a, a video game store called Video Game Connections in about, uh, this would have been 99 and they just had a case just filled probably 300 400 sealed nes games all of them wow all of them between five and 15 canadian dollars at a time where the u.s dollar was getting you a buck 50 to a buck 40 buck 15 canadian could have cleaned up so what my what I did was, is I went back and my parents gave me money and said, buy your Christmas presents. And I bought 15 sealed Nintendo games. My parents wrapped them all and gave them to me for Christmas. And I relived my childhood by opening 15 sealed Nintendo games. And uh, that would have been like right before 2000 rolled around. And it was awesome. That's a great, great story. That's about the time, 2000, when it wasn't so far removed that so, like something that could happen. You could find yeah. boxes of sealed games or... New old stock. Yeah, it wasn't like rental, it wasn't... rental stores were just starting to get closed out from Blockbuster in the late nineties. They were starting to get knocked out, so they were going to get rid of their games and stuff as well. That's my thing. It wasn't like it, I don't want to imply that that was an insanely good deal. It was a good deal, but it wasn't insane. It was. It was insane. That, it's insane to find it at the time, right? Yeah. You look at. I mean, you look at what a sealed average PlayStation game goes for now, and it's about. I mean, it's a little bit more than that. Maybe twenty, you know, for a, a decent one. But I mean, I got most of five bucks. I got most. Yeah, I got most of the Disney games sealed. And like I said, it wasn't like 
the the it was just cool to find them all in that spot and that was a really oh. fun morning to like rip the seal off of all of these games oh, could and then you? and then go play them. Oh, could you rip the games off the seal? <laughs> oh my god! Because it was goddamn fun. So we're gonna have another, another another controversy in the comments, but yeah, well, everyone's a hypocrite. People, people do hate me. Hey Pat, how much are you selling your games for? <laughs> I would like to see some transparency. I demanded <laughs> of my of my internet celebrities. <laughs> Um, what was your best try? Fine. Uh, well, first, I was going to say, I still, I still marvel the fact that an Axe 52 got all the way from Florida to Buffalo, but some may have moved with it. That, to me, is really weird. Yeah, just sitting there, chilling or, or, in a or, box. The or the one person that was unlucky enough to actually order it yeah. from the commercial they somehow got from the magazine. Um, my best find in the wild? Best game pick? I saw this before that. Um, I haven't had a lot of great game finds in the wild. I don't count the NWC as in the wild. I didn't find that at the swap meet. Um, it was in the wild for me, but yeah, different. I found you. a Zombie Nation when it was a hundred and forty dollar game, so that was like last year, and I, and I got it for for ten bucks from the reseller. Caught him slipping, and of course, and you know what? And I don't care when I do that. First of all, to get away from him, but also because I, these are a lot of games that I spent a lot of money on eBay for to begin with. Yeah. So it's a little retribution for myself. But I was never good at finding NES games. I was always good at finding systems. My Sears uh, Telegames, uh, what was it called? Video Arcade 2 or whatever. The Seals, basically, the Sears Telegames 2 in the box complete. That's extremely hard to find even loose. I have it complete in the box. Um, what was the other one? A Jag- Atari Jaguar in the box complete. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that that I find more often than not. Yeah, so. I, when you call me up every week with your... It's not every week. It's every week with your, um, <laughs> with your flea market finds. It's always systems and stuff that you find that are cooler than games. You uh, definitely are luckier with it's, hardware. It's drying up. Um, with so many sellers, even the past two and a half, even two years, not even two and a half, but two last two years, so many more sellers, uh, even past a year and a half, that it, you never see Super Nintendo games anymore. You never see N64 games. No. It never gets to the point because 6 o'clock in the morning, the other sellers walk around getting them. You just walk around the flea market, and just nothing but crying children and collectors, just yeah. sad and well, crying me. But no, it, no, it, it, no, seriously, you don't. You, you think Super Nintendo games don't exist anymore because you don't see them. It's like the strangest thing. You'll still find NES games once in a while, but you'll you won't find like twenty five Super Nintendo games sitting there. I see them it's, every day. Yes, because you work in a store. <laughs> uh, this is from Ian Montgomery, who actually writes at the Punk Effect. Ian Montgomery, eighty six. He's also he's the movie reviewer on the site. He does a. Uh, Third door from the right. Hello, another Ian. Or second door. I'm, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm bad. Have you, have you seen Alfonso Cuaron's Gravity? If so, what were reactions? No, we haven't seen it. We actually discussed this before the podcast. Yeah. Um, I would like to. I, I, it struck me as odd how this was a movie where it seemed like there was uh, no holds barred on spoilers. It was like the day it came out, everyone was talking about it everywhere. I couldn't. I, so I, I've, I've done a good job of not paying attention to it, but I realized I need to go see it. Very, very soon, if I want there to be any movie left for me to see. But I would like to catch it. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron did an amazing uh, movie called Children of Men. Mm-hmm. That was fantastic. I saw it in the theaters. Clive Owen creates an actual sci-fi movie. Yeah. And really, really good. He also did, I believe, one of the BMW short films that Clive Owen did 10 years back. Remember those? I do. Those were the first time, really the first time, 2000, 2003, the first time that you had companies really advertising via the internet. That was really the first yeah, time. Yeah, I'm trying to remember those because I, I do remember them. I have on DVD. They did two seasons, and then you had big directors did those. Um, you, you had Guy Ritchie do one. Yeah, okay, um, that's the one that I remember more There was There was eight total. There was five the first season, three the the, the, the last. You had um, Ang Lee do one. Yeah. 
you had the late great um, Frankenheimer. Do um, Frankenheimer? Yeah, he did one. Anyway, so Clive Owen was involved with that. I guess they hooked up again for Children of Men. But anyway, he's a great director. But no, we haven't seen it. It looks, it looks interesting. It looks different, at least. Yes. This is from uh, Demon Owen Garth, Twitter. Have you ever really liked the look of a video game I had no idea how to play it? E.g. Dungeon Master for the SNES. <laughs> um, and I'll t- I don't know exactly what I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, that's, that's basically my entire lifelong fascination with fighting games. I love them, and I, I mean, the deeper systems are, 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 are always beyond me. Um, a more serious answer is, yeah, I've always been fascinated with, uh, they made a version of it for the Nintendo, but it was always popular as a free game on Windows, that stupid Cell Life game where you click, okay. I, I've never understood the mechanics behind it, I'm sure it's easy, it's fascinating to watch everything virus? play out. Yeah, Mutant Virus is the version of uh, of it on the Nintendo. I could have figured that when I played it uh, yeah, a few weeks ago. But that is definitely a game where, like, I, I love the look of it, especially just the simple Windows version, watching all the red and blue pieces, like, moving these patterns. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing in that game. Um, this is, you're gonna, you can almost guess what I'm going to say. Will Harvey's the immortal. <laughs> it looks fantastic. I can't figure out what the hell I'm doing when I play it. What you're doing when you play that, it's 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 it, there's an emergent game that comes from that. It's called uh, it's like a little bit like Pokemon. It's collect them all, collect all the death animations. You, you want to see all 35 death animations in Will Harvey's the Immortal, and then you turn the game off. It's like playing Space Quest. Yeah, they're fun. Um, this is from at. Gara of My Desert, who's Helen, who I know. Uh, for Ian, Hi. what makes working a game store worth it to you in terms of enjoyment, besides the games? Happy face. Um. Well, thank you for the happy face. Uh, it's funny, the games... Um, I was start chatting with some new, new hires today about it. The first six months you work there, you spend all of your paycheck on games. And then, by the time you've been there seven years, like I have... Uh, you know, you get you get kind of sick of seeing them. It's not that you don't like games, so you're it's it's not the games. Um, what I like about my job is honestly the people I have met through working there. When you, when, no, I, I I mean that seriously. When, when you me. work at a job that is so specific to your interests, you are likely to meet people who are similar to you or people that you will get along with. Um, I have met. Pat through the store. Um, Who's Pat? Fuck you. (laughs) This asshole sitting across from me. Um, That's harsh. I I met my my girlfriend, uh, whom I love very much, through the store. You didn't tell me that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I met Vonnie through the store. Um, I met two of my uh, closest friends in San Diego, Anthony and Art, uh, through the store. Um, I've had so many good conversations, and I've met so many cool people. Um, so many good stories, you know, I remember these two, uh, customers who moved away because of military reasons, um, but, you know, we were all on a Power Rangers kick, uh, and they finally got a copy of the Power Rangers fighting game, and they brought it in, and we basically just stopped doing work for two hours, and we sat around playing Power Rangers fighting game on the Super Nintendo, and that's what I really love about my job, is it's not the easy access to games, which is what people think, and people also think that we slack off and play games all day, we really don't. Stories like the one where I pl- where we played the Power Rangers fighting game are two, three times a year, maybe. But I even, I mean, at least five times a week, I have a really good conversation with someone, and one good customer makes up for 
all the asshole customers. So, yeah, I meet a lot of cool people through my job. Oh, there you go. Right. <laughs> yeah. That would be more, more funny, but all right. No, okay. <laughs> um, next up, this is, I guess this is concerning my series for Ian again. And by the way, you keep slipping back more out of the camera, which I think is funny. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, what is your favorite regular show episode? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> this is a trick question. You have to actually watch them to know. He's not talking about you. You uh, think so? What is the only thing regular show is a cartoon. Oh, he doesn't have it capitalized. Yeah, it's a cartoon. Um, I like the ones where... Uh, the thing about regular show that I like the most is that the characters are very fleshed out, despite the fact that upon initial looks... The show is just random and stupid. Um, and it's not. The characters have a lot of development, so I like the episodes where they develop the characters the most. So my favorite episodes would probably be... Uh, uh, Camping Can Be Cool, because I like any episode that has Mordecai, Rigby, Eileen, and Margaret in it. No idea what you're talking about. Uh, that's fine. You don't have to. The question wasn't for you. <laughs> I also like uh, Wrap It Up, because that's a good Pops episode. And... Uh, I really like, there's like three or four episodes at the end of season four that really um, build on Benson, and Benson's my absolute favorite character in the, the show. So yeah, I would say probably well, camping is cool, and a bunch of baby ducks would be really close. Look great. Yeah. Try watching something. I do watch, I watch shows. Burn Notice. Burn Notice, it ended a few weeks ago. Very sad about that. <laughs> Seven great seasons of fun. Seven great Miami. seasons of fun. Is that, <laughs> that should be the tagline for <laughs> your season seven DVD. <laughs> this is from, at Jaron, 0004, I guess Jaron, who writes in the Punk Effect. Nice. I'm uh, overthinking it. Um, on my podcast, let's plug his own podcast. We discuss explaining the 90s to kids in the future. How would you all explain arcades? I would if he's if he means vintage arcades, not ones that are around cuz I don't think vin- arcades will ever totally die out at this point. Let's assume just for our talk points will. that he's talking 88 to 98 or so like s- height 78 to 98. Sure, yeah, yeah, height of you arcades, know. sure. Um it is um you know, there were specialized video games that were not available to play on a console for the most part. At least they're the better versions uh, for the most part. And they were gathering. They were very loud rooms, usually bright colors. And it was a gathering of gamers that could come together and, and play games together, have fun. You know, it was a hangout. It was social. It was probably the first time you had socialized video gaming. Right. That's how I would describe it. And that's, a, that's the reason why I'll, I think that it's coming back because people are recapturing that that it's not it's a lot more fun to go to an arcade and see other people and play you can play arcade games on your Xbox Live you can play Final Fight you can play Street Fighter but is that as fun as going to an arcade and being with people no it's not right um i would i would probably hit on a lot of the same points you did you know uh, especially the, especially the <laughs> the social aspect of it um what i would also point out what i always thought was really cool about arcades which is something that we will never really get back again because of the internet is um the arcade was not only a social place where you went and played games against or with people but it was where you exchanged information about games sure uh, that's how you learned 
the fatalities for your favorite character in Mortal Kombat. That's mm-hmm. how you learned how to play the tank game that was hidden in NBA Jam. Yes. Uh, it wasn't the internet. It was you knew someone at it the arcade on, who told you. It was on the cusp. 93, you could go online on like CompuServe and find it out, yeah. maybe. But most people didn't have the internet. Right, the majority of people 95% didn't. of people didn't have the internet in 93. Even probably even less. Um, it was also a place where you discovered new games for the first time. You had yeah. no idea what new games were coming out. Let's hear like a magazine in 80. Imagine going to the arcade the first time and seeing Pac-Man and be like, what the hell is this? Right, well, touching back yeah. on what you said, you know, um, it, you know, a lot of games that came to consoles were arcade ports, and they were slightly inferior or very inferior. Mm-hmm. So you went and you played the real deal, but it was also, yeah, if you didn't have a subscription to a magazine, or once again, if you did not have access to the internet, this was where you got a taste of what would possibly yes. be coming to your Genesis, yeah. Super Nintendo, Nintendo in the future. But you had to go to the arcade in those, or at least the early 80s. Oh, yeah, absolutely. To see what was coming out. You probably had to go every month, yeah. at least, to see what games were coming in. And then cross your fingers that the Atari 2600 port was even remotely close to, to, to what I, I you I think at that time, you can probably count on the fact that it wasn't. Yeah, Which yeah. is a shame. Think about back then how, yeah, it was like, at least when Nintendo, by that point, it was a lot more enjoyable. It's like, okay, the ports were, you know, you can at least get by with a Jackal port or Contra. That at least, the Contra ports are better. better. Yeah. But imagine, you know, you, you, you go home, play Pac-Man Horses 100, and you're like, wow, this is even close. You're like, mm-hmm. you have to go pump the quarters in. But yeah, I, I I always say I grew up in the lo- in the wrong sort of decade. I should have I was like should have been born like six seven years earlier. I think I think I've been a lot better. I don't care if I've been older by now, but would have been a millionaire. Would have gotten in the dot com craze. But anyway, yeah, arcades probably were, were fantastic from like eighty to like eighty five. It was probably the best thing ever. Oh yeah, what I, what I love is um not to get too sidetracked, but it's a Namco thing, so I'm sorry. But you oh, know, surprise. There's that game that no one likes uh, called Tower Draga, but it's huge and. Japan. I like it. I Castilian? like the characters. I like the. I like the. Is art. that Castilian? No, no, it's not. <laughs> I like the art. I like the characters. I like the idea of it. And it's a very cryptic game where you move through about. I think it's fifty levels, and on each level there's a hidden treasure, and you've got to, you've got to meet these ab- absurd requirements like touch all four walls or. But they don't tell you what the requirement is. You just have to figure it out, and it's all very random right. stuff. And the way people who play it now look at it, they're like, this game is dog shit how, i mean how how were you supposed to play it well there's stories and when draga was released in the arcades there would be people who would leave notebooks next to it and when they'd figure out something in a level they would write it down and collectively a group of people at an arcade would go through and beat this wow. game full of secrets and i'm sorry we're never going to have something like that again and that to me would have been something very cool to be a part of there you have it Next question. This is from at try and find me underscore. Uh, do you consider it ethical to download the ROM and emulate a game, which is very rare or ex- very expensive to buy? I think everyone does it at, at some point. I think I think if you're gonna spend the money on it, if you if you're not a collector near a play, it, it depends on what, where you're coming from. If you're not a collector near a player, you kind of have to to make sure you're spending the money I- properly. In terms of the ethics for this topic, I equate it to music downloads. I always equate it to, first of all, if it's if it's if it's some if it's something that is readily available. Um, in terms like like, like say it was a new game readily available, then yes, it's not ethical at all. No, it's not at all. It's not even a point. But if it's something that you would never ever buy on your own, that's how at least I justify people downloading MP3s. People would would not go out and buy you know disco albums if they weren't interested in it. But they might still have some MP3s they wanted, and who knows? So I was looking at the thing where it's like, 
I, I you're not if you're not directly damaging a company, it's it's a lot more ethical than not. So if you're gonna go download the, the uh, Rama Flintstones Dinosaur Peak, you're not damaging Taito. Well, anyway. yeah, because here's, here's yeah, my, that's kind of my take on it. Is I own I own one burn for the PC engine at Sapphire because it's five hundred bucks, and it's the one game that I would actually consider spending a lot of money on because I really like it, but. I, I don't I don't burn because I like the thrill of finding it and then actually playing it after working hard to find it like and okay. get it. But Sapphire, whatever. The the thing is is when you're talking about these vintage systems, when you're talking about um, you know NES or PC Engine or something like that, a lot of the times if you download GI Joe and you play that ROM, you're not hurting. No one no one would get paid for it if you bought it off a shelf anyways. Mm-hmm. The people who were originally behind it aren't getting paid for it. People who are buying it are buying because they want to support a scene, they want to support a store, they want to yeah. own it themselves. There's, but you're most, not hurting the original creators. No, you're, you're hurting a second-hand shop, but unfortunately... It's but it helps. There. But I, I work in a second-hand shop. That helps people like us. Okay. Because people are like, you know what? I'm going to decide between G.I. Joe and G.I. Joe Atlantis Factor. So I'm going to download both, both ROMs. You know what? I like G.I. Joe. They come into the store. They buy G.I. Joe. So you don't see it as someone that would have bought it, but now is not. You feel it as the, 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 true, the true sense of, of originally piracy was you try it out, then buy it. That's you, how it was. Yeah, yeah. And you do have people who will just download all the ROMs and they're fine, but I cannot tell you how many times a day because really it is at least once or twice people come in they look around they're like man i got all these roms on my phone but it's just not as much fun to play and they pick up a couple of games you know like sure are we losing sales total yeah probably but are people still is it still bringing people into the store to buy stuff yes so i don't see it as particularly damaging so it's like the argument of mp3s you download artists you might not have you know download them you might buy the album you might go see them not supporting and that, that. that though, I think that depends largely on a person too. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, this is um, what do you guys? This is uh, two questions. We might skip one, but we'll, we'll ask you anyway. At Slim underscore Miro Kujin, what are you guys currently playing? I'm not playing anything. What about you, Ian? Currently, uh, I, I think this is the answer I gave a while back, but um, I am still actually playing Animal Crossing and trying to collect Halloween masks currently. Um, I'm playing Earth Defense Force... Tw- I realized this was humorous to me the other day. I'm playing Earth Defense Force 2017 on my Vita, which is a game in which you kill large ants that are attacking a city. Oh, you told me. I think I had. Did I buy that one? That's on the 360. 360 oh, and Vita. Okay. And then I am also playing Bugs vs. Tanks, which is level 5 in Kaiji and Afune of Mega Man fame. Uh, that's a game where you play as very tiny tanks uh, fighting bugs. So I'm playing two bug fighting games right now. My mind... Uh, is with uh, Pokemon X and Y, which comes out this week. And I'm hoping I can get my hands on it maybe just a touch early if I get my shipment in on time. But I, that's what I'm really looking forward to. Oh, and I'm thinking about playing some uh, scary visual novels like Corpse Party that you can get for the PSP. I am playing it's something. Halloween. Well, I just played a lot of it. I played a lot of Rampart at, at PRGE. Nice. And I, guess who beat the shit out of Rue and Pro Jared at the arcade version? Not Pat you. Did. Yeah. Not me. Pat, I'm the king of Rampart, yes, baby. Yes, he is. We every once in a while go to Nickel City up in yeah uh, up here, and we haven't uh, gone in a while. We gotta go. Oh, we should. Ooh, I play Wizard of Oz. Oh, did you know that? Fantastic. Uh, I'll believe it when I play it. Um, also, I'll believe it when I play it because the jury's out. But uh, um, High Dive's got the new Star Trek in. That was there too. Portland had a, had a great pinball uh, selection. They had about 25 pinball. They had both Black Knights. Black Knight, um, Black Knight, Two K. 
they, they had the uh, they didn't have the gopher shot. game that that was at the barcade down there. No good gophers. Oh yeah, that the was golf at, one. Yes, that was that was that was at the barcade uh, ground control that wasn't there. But no, uh, it was fun. Wizard of Oz, it was fun. Yeah, the whole rule set. It was I, actually I, kind of distracting having the huge LCD. See, I don't. I with think, all stuff going on, but I, think, I, I can see how they can use it better going forward. If they don't rely on it, if I can still get most of my information from looking at the flashing lights, I'm cool with the added like eye candy of the LCD well, screen. Just I don't want it to all be up there. When, when, well, that's the thing. They had it like four different things at once. They had four yeah. That see, on. that's what I heard, and I don't that I, I'm, not, I'm not super interested. I think in. it, it would take some getting used to. But um, that was fun. They, I played a ton of Medieval Madness. I think I was getting ruined to Pinball and Jared, Pro Jared. They, they love Medieval Dude, it's Madness. Am- it's amazing. Right. Um, People get into it. They love it. Our, our, my, my buddy Lincoln, who posts on Nintendo Age, um, he hadn't really played pinball, and he, he sent me a message today. He's like, dude, that's it. I'm a, I'm a pinball addict. I took him out to play pinball like once or twice with a couple Love of you. friends. It's really, it's funny. People don't play pinball because it's not around, but if you put someone in front of a machine that's themed on something they like, and you show them real quick, like just a couple of the basic rules and how the machine mm-hmm. works, it's so much fun to play with a, you know, a, a burger next year, a beer in your hand. Yeah, I still, I still want, I want to get a machine. I'll get rid of this and get a machine, I think, at some point. That'd yeah. be cool. I'm thinking about what my next one would be. Hopefully, Medieval Madness because that's like my favorite by far. It's so fun. I, it's fun. I played it to death. I don't it's, need it, so but it, it is good. It is good. I think. I think. Have you played Attack from Mars? Yeah, Attack oh, from yeah. Mars. I think is Medieval Madness, but better. That would be the one. And it's, it's a little bit cheaper too, and I think it's a way. It's a faster, and I think it's a more fun machine. It, well, it's the same company, basically. It is. It is. And it's, 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 Williams. it's really basically the same machine. It's one bash it, target in the center. Well, just the, different modes. The target in the center. It's. It's the, the, the saucer know, goes crazy. I, 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 I love. I'm sorry. I love. I know it's the same Mars. theme. It's almost the same number of ramps, even. But all right, let's move on. The other question was uh, from this person: Evolution Revival, the arcade, or Amelia Fed? I think it's a barcade. A, I think that person mentioned because I saw that one. Oh, we said arcade here, but I, uh, okay, barcade, bru- brewcade. I think it's it's. I don't want to say it's a fad. I think it's people are getting back into the arcades through more people discovering gaming in general. I think it's a good idea. I think it's going to stick around for a while. I think it's. I, I, I hope it's not a fad. I think it's a. I think it's here to stay. People like going out and playing games. You can't. I'm sorry. You cannot feasibly run an arcade without offering Alcohol. booze. You can't. No, because you <laughs> have you because you need the markup. You need the markup. Places like Nickel City Man should do it because of parties and stuff like that, you know, and, and and all that, like 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 birthday parties, but most arcades can't cut it if they don't have something high markup like beverages. And I think I think barcades will stick around. And I think pinball is still gonna see a resurgence in popularity and so will arcade machines. I well I think that might help it having the barcades and they'll have more machines. Yeah. And Jersey, I mean, I, uh, Jersey Jack, second pinball manufacturer me, we'll get a third. And then it then it starts. Yeah, yeah who knows? But they but like I said, I played Wizard of Oz, it was very well polished. It was fun. You might you might not like it perfectly, but I mean it's a it's a new machine. No, I, I want to play it. I, I heard, mean, I heard, a, I heard Star Trek look cheap, whereas like you know, um, whereas even if I don't even if I don't like the rule set, um, there is artistry and beauty in that it's, damn it, Wizard it, it of Oz good. machine. It's gorgeous. It looks good. Yeah. And they're gonna do the Hobbit, which will probably look really nice next year whenever that comes out. Twenty fourteen is when they're doing it. Yeah, next year. Okay. Um, this is from. At Commodore Fan 64. Oh, we skipped marks. We'll do this one first, though. At Commodore Fan 64, uh, what do you think about the Mad Cat's micro console at $250 with all the new consoles coming out? I have no idea what that is. Honestly, honestly. I had said I, I have no clue. Sorry about that. Um, 
This is from at ADD at work, Mark Carr. Mark! Of Indie Game Searchlight, also on the Punk Effect. Uh, push for Ian, knowing you love DuckTales. <sighs> I played Shovel Knight, and I think you'd love it. Thoughts? Um, I think it looks really nice. I don't know a huge amount about it. I will definitely play it when it's released. Um, but more than anything, I, I just know that the sprite work on it is gorgeous, and I really like the way that it looks. And uh, I will definitely check it out when it comes out, um, especially if it gets any sort of release on a console, because I just don't PC game. So any any quick, fun-to-play game that finds its way to Vita or PSN is something that I will probably buy sight unseen. Like, I don't need to know anything about it. Shovel Knight I know a little bit about, so I'm, I'm, I'm in. All right. Uh, this is from at Cygnus Destroyer. Matt. What, Matt. What effect do you think the success of the Mighty Number no. 9 Kickstarter will have on Capcom and the Mega Man franchise? <laughs> I, I don't know if it's going to have a lot of impact on it, but I, I do think there's a lot of people at Capcom fuming over their idiocy when it came to them being like, we can't do another Mega Man game like this. It's just not going to work. Well, and they, then well, they canceled two Mega Man games, not just well, one. Well, well, they canceled you know? those after after Inafune left over mm -hmm. the fact that well, he had a lot of differences with them. But one was that they wouldn't let him make the games that he wanted to make. So he leaves and it's like, here, I'm going to make a game I want to make, and he raises a shit ton of money. And Capcom's like, well, I guess we were fucking wrong, weren't we? They still can do it. I mean, um, what was what was the uh, the rumor that Mega Man was going to be in the, in the Wii U Smash? Guess that was a rumor. It's not a rumor. It's he's um, he's in Is it Smash. He's in he's in Wii U and 3DS Smash. Well, there you go. That's probably a way to way to test the water. Even though I mean that's their most beloved franchise. I don't know why they wouldn't. But you can, you'll, you'll see it. Maybe you'll see revival of the Mega Man universe game that was. It's never going to be the same. The heart of it's yeah. gone. It's maybe too... they'll ask him back. And I don't. I mean, I don't think he'd take it. And, I, and that's that. To me is the, that is the saddest thing about Mega Man to me is if Capcom's like, oh, we were wrong. You still are never going to truly get Mega Man back. The guy who was involved in every single game left. So if they threw a ton of money at him, he wouldn't come back if he got control over it. Maybe is outside what? consulting, but I mean, he's not going to go back to Capcom. He left Capcom for more than just Mega Man reasons. I'm sure, but. If it's if it's his his baby, so to speak, maybe he like would. I said, you know, you're right. If they if they were like, here's a here's a whole grip of money, tell us what to do, but you don't have to be part of us, then yeah, he'd probably do that. They can always sue him. I'm not sure what copyright infringement's like there, but it, it, it's it's you played Fire Pro. I, it's, it's weaker than here. I do. You played Fire Pro Wrestling. Yeah. It's basically non-existent. If that was a, if that was a U.S. enterprise, he would get sued. Probably yeah. he would get sued. Uh, no, it's best of luck. I think it's great. It, 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 yeah, it's competition. If it forces Capcom to come out with a new game, Mega, whether it's a new Mega Man X, whether it's the Mega Man Universe, let's broaden Mega, it. The Mega Man Universe was so heavily promoted. Remember the, the videos the video for was it? Awesome. Yeah. Let's let's broaden it beyond Capcom. What I what I would like to what I hope is that P other companies will look at the Mighty Number no. Nine Kickstarter and be like, there is. And people called me a hipster for this. It's not. It's just. It's a matter of time and what you have to play and what you want to play. I hope other companies look at this and go, we can still put a decent amount of money into a game that plays quick and fast and difficult, mm -hmm. and it won't be a wash for us. Sure. And so maybe it goes back to the collective. <laughs> the collective. Maybe other companies do the same thing. The Capcom collective. Sure. Maybe my number nine was a Capcom collective in disguise. Woo!
Ooh, all, right. all right. That was spooky. One or two more questions we have left. This is from at Spirit31K. How do you feel about game remakes slash HD re-releases? I feel like they're going Hollywood, all for the money, and not much substance. I think it depends on what title you're talking about. Really. I feel like we also kind of covered this a little bit last week when someone asked... Uh, last week, two weeks ago, last podcast when I asked them, you know, what else would we like to see uh, an HD remake of? And for me, the answer is, I don't think it's necessary, necessarily. Um, I guess they're going for the money. I, I don't feel like, and this is the thing, I, I, I'm not really that malicious about the DuckTales thing. I just feel like it was misguided. Or maybe it was properly guided for the people who, who downloaded it, played it, and loved it. But for me, I just wanted the same old game with a fresh coat of paint. Yeah. Um, so that's the, that's, that's the problem that these developers are finding themselves in. Do they just slap a coat of paint on it and release it, and a number of players will call them cheap and lazy? I wouldn't, but a bunch of people would. Or they have to change a bunch of things, and you get people like me who are like, I don't want to touch it because yeah. it's different, and then you get a lot of people who like it. So they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. I don't know that they're going all Hollywood. I just I don't think they know how to do it. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think that, again they don't know what that sweet spot is, if there even is a sweet spot. Right, I mean, you got to know what a Ducktales remaster we still haven't played, just because they added in some MacGuffins and some cutscenes. You they like. make you go through every part of every level. But again, some people might have said, "Well, what the hell? This is the same game. Why should I buy it?" Right. If they didn't put that no, in. I understand the people who like it, and yeah. I understand why they like it. I understand why Way Forward did what they did. It's just not for me. And a lot of remakes are probably going to fall victim to those same traps. Speaking of that, I have to comment on uh, last week when that question, or last time when the question came up about the remakes or sequels. I think it was actually a sequel. What modern sequel? And I said Google 13. And someone was like, but Pat, they have a fat conspiracy. That's not a modern sequel. And I was just like, you don't realize it? That was a sequel? I was like, and I remember saying in the comment that, yeah, I have it sealed. But also... It's right next to the other game. Yeah. You do not think that I know that these are sequels to one another, like this is the sequel to this. It's next to it on the shelf. It's been there for years. I'm not even responding to my critics as harshly as you are. But that's just got me because like, I'm a huge dead. fan of, of, of these games. You don't, I'm Google 13, I'm a huge fan. I have so much Google 13, 13 shit in my garage that I took over from Jersey. I have probably more merchandise from him than anyone living in the U.S. And that may not be a, be hyperbole. You know? I have stuffed animals from or plush from, from Japan sitting there. I don't have any condoms, though. Google 13 condoms. You should I, get some. I should get that. But anyway. Yeah, it's so a modern, modern sequel. Google 13 would be nice. Next question. I got it. That's the last question, actually. That was the last question. For, for this week. Well, I can't wait to see how arrogant I was this time. <laughs> well, you're always a little arrogant. That's why I love you. I don't mean it seriously. So is that it? Are we done? We done? We should probably recap what was going on. I just finished my beer, so that's a pretty good ending. Is, is that is that how we're marking the end of the podcast when you finish your? T- <laughs> when, I, when I get down to the bottom of my tall can, I guess. <laughs> kind of go for another. So one. we got to we got to test the the marathon setup next week. I gotta do a new punk episode. You'll do a basic oh, test. God. We'll do a full test. You got. Don't worry about the next punk episode until after the marathon. After the marathon, we'll work on our secret project again. Yes, we go in, all in out. hardcore mode. Get your ass to Magfest. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> new ass Frank will be coming out in a couple of days. And yeah, we're on Stitcher now. We're on iTunes. We're gonna take over the podcasting world. Well, this is our fourth <laughs> one. I'm surprised you lasted this long. <laughs> It's easy. Well, I'm surprised I am too. It's easy enough to forget that there is no camera. Um, most people probably just listen to this on normal mode. No, most people 
watch it on YouTube. That's awful. If people want me to upload the whole thing on YouTube, I refuse to do that because that's then why I have a podcast. Yeah. At that point. Being on the video makes me nervous. Makes <laughs> you nervous. Yeah. You're protected. You have your hood on. Your magic hood. Yes, I do. <laughs> All right. All right. So that's it for our podcast. The complete, completely unnecessary podcast is a mouthful for October 9th, 2013. We'll see you in two weeks. We after love the, you. We'll see, we'll, we'll see you three days after the marathon. Don't sit up. Yeah, we're not done with it. You have to see. <laughs> we'll see you three days after the marathon. That'll be fun recapping our struggles and joys and pains from that. Three days after the marathon? That'll be fun. That'll be a fun time. You'll be recovered by then. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm actually working too. So. As, as, as people have to get a nice shot of your crotch there. As you're saying. That's <laughs> cool. It's bold. It's bold. <laughs> it's bold. <laughs> Alright, guys. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Thanks for being a part of this uh, soiree. Bye bye. Bye.